You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Hi, Lloyd. A little slow tonight, isn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So we got another 80s movie for you. There's a, obviously, well not obviously, maybe, hopefully, a more iconic line in this movie that I was going to use. But I want to kind of keep it with the theme of, you know, can you guess the movie? And if I do the other line, everybody's going to automatically know, and that's no fun. But another iconic 80s flick. Anyways, thank you guys for tuning in. And this week we are going to continue on. As I said, I don't think we're going to run through every single week. We'll see how it goes. We'll play it by ear. Um, kind of just, it's, it's, it's a feel thing. When I wake up and feel like I'm just kind of going through the motions, we'll find something else to talk about. But I felt good about yesterday. Kind of felt a little reinvigorated. So we're gonna we're gonna power on this today. We're talking about Week Two against the Detroit Lions. But before we get there, big massive shout out to Daryl who hit me up on uh, Venmo. Really really appreciate the support, my man. And actually, I came up with a little bit of an idea. Maybe it's dumb and nobody actually cares. And I'm not gonna tell you because you know we'll see how it goes. But I'm actually pretty excited about it. Like I've said before, this is this is season four of this podcast, and there are a lot of people at this point. Although it's clearly not the biggest Packers podcast, and there's quite a ways to go. I've always said that this podcast is kind of like a, you know, one of the cult classic type movies. It never really had the biggest numbers, but it's got some real loyal followers. And so I got kind of a fun little idea on how to possibly give back, and we'll see how it goes. But anyways, thanks again for all the support. Probably shaving 10 years off my life with all this lack of sleep, but it's well worth it. I'm just kidding. If I, if I lose 10 years, it's it's because of my coffee cocktail in the morning. But as always, make sure you join the Packernet Podcast Facebook group. Make sure you like the Packernet Podcast Facebook page. If you want to help out the show, five-star iTunes review or Stitcher review would be uh, greatly appreciated. Otherwise, word of mouth is always, you know, I, I I've said before, I don't think the Reviews actually help the algorithm all that much, so if we're going to help people find the show, it's not going to be from convincing iTunes that people like the show, because apparently they don't care about that. So, obviously, the the best way to go about doing that is to just let people know that, you know, you like it. Otherwise, Pack Daddy NFL is a YouTube channel. If you wouldn't mind jumping over there, that'd be greatly appreciated. I've been adding about 100 a week, subscribers that is, so I've got 40 more before Monday to keep that trend going. Then 140 more to get to 2,000 subscribers. So, I mean, don't really subscribe if you're not planning on watching. Because that's no fun. You don't want your feed getting all gummed up with videos you don't want. It's not a charity thing. It's just if you're interested in it, it's NFL Draft and Packers stuff. If not, that's fine. Don't need to create a burner account just to give me one more subscriber. Not that desperate. What else? I don't think there's anything else. Mike Daniels is a Bengal now. And Dayton Jones apparently is still playing football. That one shocked me. I thought the guy retired like five years ago. Turns out, no, he's been playing. Not very well, but, you know, he's been playing. Anyways, let's go ahead and take a break. And on the other side, we're going to take a look at the Detroit Lions. 
We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so let's start this off the exact same way we did last time. Let's look at the Detroit Lions 2019, 3-12-1, fourth in the division. Not much has changed. They did get a different defensive coordinator, and they're getting Matt Stafford back is going to be the biggest change for this group. But this is a Detroit Lions team that had Matt Stafford for the first nine weeks. And and for the record, Matt Stafford was getting off to a fantastic start. It was his highest PFF grade of his entire career. Not by a lot, marginally. And, and I suppose if you assume that, well, not assume, if you if you give him the entire season, there's a good chance that he regresses back to about his average. But still, point is, far from regressing, he was off to a pretty hot start. But even still, through nine weeks, the Detroit Lions were 3-4-1. and one. They tied the Arizona Cardinals, who are not a very good team. They beat the Chargers, which, again, I know we got spanked by the Chargers, but the Chargers weren't that fantastic of a team. Did beat the Eagles, which, similarly, we lost to the Eagles. Not that great of a team. Lost to the Chiefs, which is tough. Lost to the Packers by one point. Got spanked by the Vikings. Beat the Giants, lost to the Raiders. So there's, it's it's such a confusing thing. Now, all their wins and losses are confusing. I mean, if you just look at the beginning, they were 2-0-1 and one and then lost to the Chiefs. Okay. I mean, sounds like you're a pretty awesome team. Especially when you only lose to the Chiefs by four. Then you lose to the Packers by one, and it's like, okay, well, the Packers were a 13-win team, and you barely lost. Then you get spanked by the Vikings, and it's like, well, I mean, I guess they're pretty good. You beat the Giants, because the Giants are bad, but then you lose to the Raiders, which is really confusing. Is this a good team or not? But ultimately, when you look at it, despite the, it's close to this, it's close to that, the only teams they beat were the Chargers, the Eagles, and the Giants. They beat the Chargers by three, they beat the Eagles by three, they beat the Giants by five. They won three games and barely at that. And then after Matt Stafford went out, they lost every game. They lost to the Raiders, Bears, Cowboys, Redskins. Excuse me. Raiders was with Stafford. The Bears, the Cowboys, the Reds, the Washington footballs. The Bears, the Vikings, the Buccaneers, the Broncos, and the Packers. But strangely, even some of these games were close, despite how bad they were and how bad their quarterback was. They lost to the Bears by one score, seven points. Washington by three. Chicago again by four. 
and then the Packers by three. So you kind of wonder if Stafford was there, do they win all those games? I think of all the teams in the NFC North, the Lions might be the hardest to project. The Packers are sort of tough because you've got a lot of second-ish round, or not second round, second-year guys on the defense. Everybody is a second-year guy or first-year guy on the offense. It's Matt LaFleur's second, so you don't know scheme-wise. But at the same time, you assume the record will regress. And I've talked about, you know, everybody's talking about their massive regression candidate. Well, what do you mean by that? If you're just talking about their record, of course, nobody is expected to win 13 games. But I've, I've talked about before, it's entirely possible that the Packers get better as a football team and don't get to 13 win. And I'm completely fine with that. If this is a better, more playoff-ready, more Super Bowl-ready team that is more consistent and, and whatever, and, and they end up winning 11 games and get to the playoffs... I would rather that than a team that's as volatile as they were, that showed as much weakness as they did last year and get to 13 wins. So when you look at the Packers, it's hard to project, but you kind of figure they're probably going to win more than 10 games because they're that good, and it's probably going to be less than 13-ish. There are scenarios outside of that, but, you know, 10, 11, 12-ish, yeah, somewhere in there. The Bears are, are only difficult because we don't know what's going to happen with the defense. Will they get better? Will they continue to regress? And then obviously the biggest question of what about Foles? The Vikings are are probably the easiest because it's more or less the exact same team with a couple tweaks. Again, I think their defense did get quite a bit worse, but you can kind of project out record-wise where-ish they're going to be. The Bears might be the the second most difficult because they they could be a team that's terrible and, and is in the you know, the five-win category, or if the defense gets to be really good and Foles is a great fit and he gets a great rapport with his guys, I mean, they could be double-digit wins, playoff team, all that. So in other words, the Packers, I think, could be number one in the division. I don't see any scenario they're number four. The Lions and and the Bears, for example, it's just, it's hard to project out. And again, part of the reason the Lions are so difficult is not just because Matt Stafford, because we've seen Matt Stafford for a long time, but it's the fact that this is a really bad team but not a really bad roster at all. It just really is not. And if we just look at what Matt Stafford did with the offense, I mean, they, they graded out 18th in points, but a lot of that has to do with after Matt Stafford getting 13, 27, 16, 27, 17, 17, and 20. With Matt Stafford, 27, 13, 27, 30, 22, 30, 31, 24. About half the games, is he's scoring around 30 points with this offense. I think the bigger question, honestly, is the defense. Maybe not quite the bigger question. It depends what the question is. Are they going to be a dominant team? Are they going to be a team contending for the number one spot? That's largely going to have to do with Matt Stafford and the offense. Are they going to be a competent team? Might depend on the defense. And the reason I say that is because there's no way this is a massive, dominant playoff team unless this offense is leading that charge. However, on the bottom end of the spectrum... How bad can things get depends largely on the defense. If the offense isn't a juggernaut, the only thing that's going to keep them from being fourth in the division, being an absolute joke, is the fact that this defense isn't that horrible. Then there's every strange animal in between. But this defense was 26th in points allowed, 31st in yards allowed. Not a very good unit at all. And you've also got, you know, Matt Patricia fighting for his job. He's a defensive-minded guy that uh, was brought in to fix this, right? The Patriots had such a great defense for so long, and the thought is, let's bring him in. He can bring some of that success over here, and it just wasn't working. And and part of the strategy here, this is kind of an all-in strategy for Matt Patricia, 
is that Matt Patricia rules with an iron fist. It's a it's the Patriots' way of doing business, and some football players just don't respond to that. And I think with Bill Belichick, he's kind of earned the right to be that way. So when people go to New England and he starts slamming his fist on the on the table and says, you will do this, people listen. When Matt Patricia, who's done nothing, goes to the Detroit Lions, which is a joke of an organization, no offense to Lions fans, but it is, and then he starts dressing all slovenly and acting like a slob that doesn't care, but just tries to emulate, you know, uh, Mr. Authoritarian, tries to do a, a Bill Belichick impression, people just aren't buying it. And so his new strategy this year, as you saw, was to go out and just get a bunch of Patriots. Why? Partly because apparently he has no ability to actually coach people or lead people. And so rather than actually coaching people how to do his system or leading people or inspiring people to, to believe in his strategies and his way about, going, way about doing things, he's just going to get expatriates, ha, expats, to come in. That way they understand this way of doing. They already understand the scheme, so I don't have to teach it. And they, under, they already understand the structure. So I don't have to get you to buy in. Now, it's still possible they look at you and go, dude, you're not Bill, get out of my face. But that his hope is these are going to be guys that will respond well to that kind of coaching. So it's already an indictment on, on Matt Patricia, in my opinion. Bill Belichick doesn't, doesn't have a problem getting people to come in. He has people, I mean, and, and he has people that come in that have problems with authority. You know what I mean? And he tells them what to do, and it is what it is. And for the most part, they listen. Because they understand this is a winning organization and this is the greatest, possibly the greatest coach in NFL history. No offense to Mr. Lombardi. We'll, we'll just call him second greatest. So that's his challenge right now. And this is his final Hail Mary pass. I'm going to bring these guys in. That way I don't have to worry about coaching or teaching and I don't have to worry about inspiring. It's just a matter of, look, you guys know what to do. I'm going to call the plays. You run the plays properly. Please don't give me a hard time about this and let's just win some football games. That's that's the final thing. Now, this isn't a long-term strategy. You can't do this. You can't simply, for the next five to ten years, poach Patriot players that are coached up by Bill Belichick and, and understand how to run the system and how to, you know, listen to hard coaching. And that, you know, it's just, it's not. It's It's a last-ditch effort to keep my job and hope that the owners of this team don't notice that I don't know what I'm doing and I can't inspire people and I can't get people to want to be here or any of that kind of stuff. I can't even coach guys to follow the scheme properly. But at the end of the day, he does have guys, so we'll see how that pans out. I don't think it's going to go very well. Now, if we look at changes moving into 2020, some of the guys that they lost, uh, Snacks Harrison. Snacks is one of the guys that has come out and said, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. He has talked extensively about his dislike of the Detroit Lions and of Matt Patricia. And so he's still out there right now. Uh, Rick Wagner is their right tackle. Obviously, he is a Green Bay Packer now, so they lost a right tackle. I do think they did a good job of going out and filling that spot. So I'm not, I'm, I don't think that's as detrimental. The Snacks Harrison loss is going to be a big loss for the Lions, and we'll get into their current roster um, in the, as the final thing. Um, gra- gla- Here we go. We can do this. Graham Glasgow, their guard, went to the Denver Broncos. That's another big loss. Graham is a pretty solid interior offensive lineman, a solid guard, and they lost him. Jeff Driscoll is their backup quarterback. Hopefully for them it doesn't matter. Um, A.J. Howard, Kyle Slaughter, nobody cares. Devin Kennard they lost. Not a real big name, but he graded out as their sixth best defensive player, which isn't saying very much. But when you're looking at a group that isn't great and you start losing 
the handful of guys that aren't terrible. For example, their fifth best defensive player is Mike Daniels. He's a Bengal. Their sixth best player is Devin Kennard. He's a uh, Cardinal. Their eighth best player was Snacks Harrison. He's now a free agent, right? It's just, it's not a great situation. Um, Ashawn Robinson. Now, the Detroit Lions, for a while, they had nobody on the edge, but they had a really solid interior, but that interior has eroded. And I know they still have some pieces, but Snacks Harrison, Ashawn Robinson, it's just, it's not the same as it was. And so now you've got Trey Flowers, who's pretty solid off the edge, but you've got nothing on the interior. They did go out and get Danny Shelton to kind of fill that void. Again, we'll get to the additions. But uh, they've gone back massively on the interior. And again, Kennard was was a decent player off the edge on the other side. That is now gone, and presumably they're going to try to fill that void with the younger Romeo Okwara, who has been kind of terrible. Um, Just kind of running through some of the other guys. Sam Martin, punter. Steve Longa, linebacker. Paul Butler, tight end. Jonathan Durhart, wide receiver. Trey Carson, running back. James Fisher, long snapper. Casey Tucker, guard. Matt Wiley, punter. Now, additions, because none of those guys really matter. They got Josh Garnett, guard out of the, out of San Francisco. That is a downgrade from Graham Glasgow. I don't know if it's Glasgow or Glasgow. I mean, it's phonetically pronounced Glasgow, but it feels weird saying that. Uh, they added Halapalavati Vaitai for the Philadelphia Eagles, a five-year, $45 million deal. That is their replacement right tackle. I think that might pan out for him. I don't know if he's exactly as good as Rick Wagner. But I do think he's, I mean, he's a younger version, and I think he can be about as good, possibly even better. So, I don't know. I'm interested in that. Uh, Jamie Collins, one of the New England Patriots that they added. Collins is one of those guys uh, that the the Patriots employ, which is a linebacker slash edge rusher, which is a very strange kind of a thing. So, Collins, on one hand, is a defensive end in a 4-3 system, and then, you know, another part of the time he'll be lined up as a linebacker. It's a very weird very weird thing, but he's a, he's a weird player. I mean, he's the second-round pick. He's 30 years old. He had, I think, let's see, it was the best year of his career since 2015, so he was dominant 2013-14-15. Then he went to Cleveland and was terrible for three years, went to back to New England, got a little glimmer of what he used to do, not nearly as good, and now he's obviously going to the Lions, who he feels that he's going to have more of that New England success than he had with uh, Cleveland. But even if you look at New England, I mean, he was either the most dominant force on the field or just abysmal. If you look at his grades through 2019 for, via PFF, 52, 92, 92, 70, 90, 90, 40, 50, 60, 40, 75, 50, 52, 70, 56, 62, 29. The guy didn't have a single grade in the 80s. He had four games in the 90s. But half of his season was under 60, which is below average. So half of, his, half of the time he's below average. And a quarter of the time, he graded out his elite. I just, he's a weird, weird guy. I don't know if it's matchup or what it is, but um, if I had to guess, I would say this is going to be a massive failure. Because it sounds like Jamie Collins, who's, again, 30, going on 31 years old, is sort of a situational guy. You put him in the right situation with the right assignment, he can he can work wonders. But even Bill Belichick only got four elite games out of the guy, and, and half the year he was terrible. If you're putting him with Matt Patricia in a much worse defense and a, let's face it, a worse defensive coordinator, granted that's who he was. Look, Matt Patricia was the defensive coordinator, but, but Bill Belichick is the defensive mind over there. He's the guy. He's the guy drawing up the game plan and the defensive plan. So I just don't think they're getting anything out of Jamie Collins. I really don't. They'll get some help, but it's, it's not going to be 
anywhere near as good as, as his glory days back in 2014, 15, whatever. Um, they added Nick Williams' defensive tackle to help with the losses at defensive tackle. That's a massive downgrade. They added Chase Daniel at quarterback, which is a fantastic situation because Chase Daniel is a competent backup that can win games, whereas last year they couldn't. So if something happens to Stafford, they've at least got a little bit of a chance. I mentioned they added Danny Shelton as a defensive tackle, another New England Patriot. Danny Shelton is going to fill the Snacks Harrison role, who's just a big run-defending kind of guy. He's not as good as Snacks Harrison, but he's a talented enough guy. They added Desmond Trufant. That is going to fill the void of the loss of Darius Slay. I actually think that's an upgrade, although a lot of people would disagree. Darius Slay had a terrible year last year. Desmond Trufant has been a pretty solid cornerback for the Falcons for a while. He's not an elite corner. He's not going to be able to stop Devontae in any capacity, but he's there. They added uh, J. Ron Kirst, safety from the Minnesota Vikings. They actually already have a couple decent uh, safeties. I really like Tracy Walker. He's been a solid guy for the Detroit Lions, kind of underrated guy. Deron Harmon is pretty solid, but J. Ron Kirst absolutely dominated because that's what safeties do in Minnesota. Now, can that carry over is going to be an interesting question. What happens when they leave that environment? And I'm also curious what's going to happen now that that DB coach is gone. Does that help our safeties? Does that hurt the Viking safeties? Or does that talent stay there and it doesn't really trans? You know, it's it's going to be an interesting thing. But they got J. Ron Kurz. We'll see how that all pans out. Then they got a handful of other guys. Uh, Reggie Ragland, linebacker, I don't think is going to help. Uh, Geronimo, who I think has already opted out of the season at wide receiver that they don't really need, etc., etc. Then you get to the NFL draft. They added Jeffrey Okuda with the third pick, so that's going to be a massive update with the cornerbacks. We'll see how good of a player he is. I think that could be a really giant upgrade for this defense, especially with Trufant. If Trufant ends up being the number two because Okuda is as good as people think he's going to be, that's a massive update already for this defense. Now, they still need a little bit of help, but Trey Flowers is no slouch. If you look at what PFF was cranking out, their stats in terms of, of pass rush win rate or whatever, Trey Flowers was up near the top. So if we're shutting people down as far as our cornerbacks and safeties, which we actually have a pretty solid DB group, and if you look at what the Patriots do successfully, they got good corners and good safeties. The, the Detroit Lions right now, depending on Jeff Okuda and how Trufant adapts and everything else, everything is here to have a really good DB group. So now it's harder to throw against these guys, and you've got a guy who's a pretty solid pass rusher in Trey Flowers. That's a good combination. They added DeAndre Swift in the second round. They're really trying to get the run game going as a compliment. He's also going to be a pretty good receiving guy out of the back. They added Julian Aquara. That's the second Aquara on this team. I mentioned Aquara before. I believe that's his brother, I'm assuming. How many Aquaras are there? So he's going to be a pass rusher out of Notre Dame. They got in the third round. Jonah Jackson at guard, followed by Logan Sternberger at guard. So they, I, I mentioned they went backwards at guard, but they're trying to backfill a little bit with a third and fourth round guy. They got Quintez Cephas out of Wisconsin at wide receiver, who could be a pretty solid complement. They've already got three wide receivers, but as a depth guy and maybe somebody that can step up and fill the role for, you know, Amendola or whatever. Then they got Jason Huntley, the running back, uh, John Penicini, Penicini, defensive tackle, and uh, Jason, Jason Cornell, defensive tackle out of Ohio State. You know how I feel about sixth and seventh round picks, so I don't really care, but trying to help out with the defensive tackle spot a little bit. So, in summary... As I've been saying, all the pieces are here for this to not be a terrible team, as much as everyone's expecting it to be. And, and listen, I've said before, many of my predictions are one year too early. I was a year early on the Bears. I said, I think they're going to get better, and they didn't quite get there. You know, it was that year, I think 2017 or whatever, when they 
you know, kept losing by like one score at the very end. Everything was down to the wire. All their games were lost by like three points. And then the next year I said, I don't know, man, we'll see what happens. And obviously that was 2018. It was a very scary year. There's no excuse here. Detroit has a good offensive line. Decker, Vitae, Ragnow in the middle. They got Dahl and Wiggins who are kind of so-so, but they also added the guy out of San Francisco and drafted two guards. Matt Stafford is a good enough quarterback. DeAndre Swift could be a scary back out of the backfield. TJ Hawkinson is going into his second year at tight end. They got Kenny Galladay, who's a very good wide receiver, with Marvin Jones and Danny Amendola, which is a pretty solid trio. Trey Flowers is is arguably one of the better pass rushers in terms of his ability to just beat the guy in front of him. They got Jeff Okuda and Desmond Trufant at corner. They got Harmon and Walker, and they also picked up J. Ron Curse at safety. And then they added Reggie Raglan and... Uh, Jamie Collins at linebacker. Jamie Collins, and that, that kind of fills the three different roles. You've got Raglan, who's more of the run defender guy. you got Collins, who's more of a pass rusher slash coverage guy. And that also doesn't include Jelani Tavai going into his second year as a second-round pick linebacker for the Detroit Lions. So I'm just sitting here, and it's the same thing I did last year, right? Somebody, I remember there was a big thing that blew up where uh, somebody had talked about how the Lions could possibly be a really good team, and somebody just made a face like, what are you talking about, dummy? And that made the, the, the circuit, and everybody laughed, and ha-ha, that's so funny. And really, who knows what would have happened last year if Stafford would have been healthy, but I'm I'm going to say it again, and everyone's going to look at me crosswise and say, you're out of your mind, this is a terrible team, but, I mean, it's a terrible franchise. It's it's terribly run. It's terribly coached. But again, just just the roster. Forget the fact that this is prime implosion candidate here where Trufant goes backwards because he went to a different team. And, you know, I don't know. Collins is is useless. Shelton is useless. Uh, Jones and Amendola fall off a cliff entirely. Swift is a bust. Hawkinson never takes a step. And beyond that, it's just a poorly coached team, and they don't know how to call the right plays at the right time and how to manage situations, and they just lose football games because they're not run like a professional football organization compared to other teams entirely possible but they have everything they need and and what i will say is if you transplant this roster and put it under the tutelage of better coaches this is a playoff roster it's good enough to be a playoff team they have just just compare it to the minnesota vikings they have a much better offensive line a similarly talented quarterback as much upside at probably more upside with hawkinson compared to irv smith at tight end if you look at the wide receiver group it's probably better if you look at the pass rush, they don't have Daniil Hunter, but Trey Flowers is underrated. They have infinitely better corners, slightly worse safeties, but still a solid safety group. But yet they're seen as a joke. I mean, I, I just I think they're they're right in the mix with the rest of the NFC North. They've got different strengths and weaknesses as other teams, but this is not you don't look at this roster and say this is by far the worst team in the NFC North. There's just no way to, to say that sentence seriously. And so similar to the way I approached the Bears in week one. In 2018, when everybody was looking to Week 2 and saying, oh, this is an automatic win, but I wonder what's going to happen in Week 2 against the Vikings or whoever it was, you can find the podcast of me saying, I'm not so sure about that. Let's take this game seriously, because if this defense takes another step, this could be a tough game, and it was, and they did. So we, we got to see. There's a lot of question marks, just like every team. And that's why you never really know from, from one week to the next, or from one season to the next. We always come into it saying, this team has the hardest schedule ever because you look at these teams, but you know there's, there's going to be five or six really good teams that suddenly aren't good, five or six really bad teams that suddenly become good. You never really know what's going to happen, but, but teams like the Lions are those kinds of teams that have the ability to take that jump. 
You know, the Browns are another one. Terrible organization, but they've got a great roster. There's no reason for them not to be a good team. And so, you know, going through their roster similarly, week one against the Bears at home, I don't think that's a guarantee for the Bears at all. I think it's very possible the Lions can win that game. Uh, week two at Lambeau. I mean, I, I, I think the Packers are a better team, but we struggle against the Lions. So there's absolutely no guarantee here. I'll pick the Packers because we've beaten them. Uh, you know, we beat them twice last year. But again, once was without Stafford and we barely beat them. Then they play the Arizona Cardinals. I think that's an easy win for the Lions because I'm not buying into the Cardinals at all. And then the Saints, they're going to get spanked. Then they got to buy. Then they play the Jaguars. Then they play the Falcons. I mean, by week seven, what are there? Two, maybe three losses? So worst case scenario, they're four and three. And a lot of it has to do with just the schedule and how it's laid out. But they're getting a little bit of momentum. I think it's possible that through week seven, they have a better record than the Vikings do. Again, largely just based on schedule. But then they play the Colts, which you know I feel the Colts are a good team. Then they got the Vikings in Minnesota. I think it's possible they win that game. Again, how in the world do the Minnesota Vikings and their complete lack of, of corners stop the Detroit Lions offense? And if you flip it, well, how is the Lions defense going to stop the Vikings? Jeff Okuda, who is the number three overall pick, and Desmond Trufant, who's been around for a long time and is a solid corner, have the ability to slow this thing down, and they have Trey Flowers, who's up against a terrible offensive line. Conversely, Daniil Hunter and nobody are up against a pretty solid offensive line. And Detroit can attack you with their tight end, TJ Hawkinson, their running back, DeAndre Swift, their three wide receivers. Then they play Washington. I think that's the win. They got the Carolina Panthers. I think that's a win. The Houston Texans are possibly a win. You got the Bears again. You got the Packers again. Titans are tough. Buccaneers are a chance. And the Vikings are a chance. I mean, we, we, there's too many variables to really figure this thing out, but they have a path to the playoffs. And largely, it just comes down to how well do they play against the, their own division. If they can handle the Bears and if they can handle the Vikings, they got a real shot. Because otherwise, Cardinals should be a win. Jaguars, Falcons, Washington, Panthers, those are all wins. And so even if you struggle against uh, Tampa and the Titans and, uh, you know, the Colts and the Saints, if you can, again, win in your own division, that's playoffs. I I just... well, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they were fourth in the division again, because it's the Lions. But I also wouldn't be surprised if they were second in the division. I'm not going to give them first, because the Packers are going to be first. But better than the Vikings and the Bears, I, I would not all be all that surprised. Because again, just it's we're just too tied up in, and, and maybe this is right, maybe I don't put enough stock in what kind of a franchise it is, right? The Minnesota Vikings, their coach and their structure and their organization and, and their culture is, is more professional, right? It's run properly. But I mean, you know, the, the, the Vikings and the Bears have serious problems. Neither of them have offensive lines. The Bears, we don't even know if they have a quarterback. They don't have any weapon. But I'm supposed to just assume the Bears and Vikings are better than the Lions? I don't. I don't assume that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the Packers are struggling to win the division from the Lions, partially because the Lions have the easier schedule in the NFC North. So they're just going to steamroll through half of their game. And if the Lions are able to beat up on the Vikings and on the on the Bears, it might not even be a matter of can we beat the Lions. It's we got to start winning some of these other tough games on our own schedule because we're going to have the harder schedule because we won the division last year. So we're going to have to win some tough games just to win the division outside out, out you know from the Lions. Now, maybe I'm going to eat a lot of crow when the Lions win four games this coming year, but I'm just saying. I, I, that, that would be... Look, bottom line is I'm not wrong about the roster. 
and it's up to Matt Patricia to not ruin what is a pretty solid roster. That's all it is. That's that's the end of the that's the end of the lecture. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, for our sake, we hope that Matt Patricia just runs this thing into the ground. But we'll see how that all pans out. I gotta get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye.